Well, uh, hello everybody, good to be back. You're stuck with me two weeks in a trot speaking, so I'm sorry uh, for those of you uh, that uh, didn't realise that. We're following up, we're continuing it in our Follow Jesus So What series. And just really, really briefly, tonight kind of builds on a little bit what we looked at last week, which was So Worship. And what we did is we looked at how um, what worship was, was about ascribing the worth that somebody has to you through your words and your actions. And so what we're looking at tonight is this topic of about getting good habits or getting godly habits. How do we uh, ascribe the worth that uh, we want to give to God uh, in our lives naturally day by day? We're going to sort of delve a little bit into that topic. Growing up... uh, going to church and also uh, working in uh, church and particularly with uh, youth early on in my church, I met and I still meet people today, a lot of people today that don't come to church, uh, that have quite a lot of misconceptions about the Christian faith. A lot of people I find that don't come to church think they know something about it and they think a few things about it. Uh, Mainly they think that church, or quite often they think church, is really boring. I think the Christian faith uh, is a faith that is often out to spoil their fun in life. It tells you, don't do this, don't do that. And you have this sort of miserable old caricature of people sitting around looking quite grumpy and being sad about the state of affairs in the world. Is it just me that has met people that think that about the Christian faith? Or have any of you met people that think a little bit like that as well? Growing up, uh, one of the things I hated, I've got to be careful about how I say this, uh, that sort of perpetuated this, so certainly to people my generation when I was growing up, was songs of praise on the BBC. Always hymns, always in a church, and it always just people looking quite serious about the songs they were singing rather than, uh, and fake smiles on their face rather than just filled with, with joy and, uh, yeah, Whatever. There are some good things about songs of praise. Just anyway. So that's uh, the reality, I think, that a lot of people kind of uh, think, even if they don't consciously think it, about the Christian faith. That, uh, that it's boring, that it's uh, irrelevant, and God's out to spoil our fun. Yet, the reality is that the life of the Christian should be so much different to that, should be so different for that. The Bible tells us that as Christians, We are to be people that are joy-filled. Joy-filled doesn't mean problem-free life. We talk about that quite a lot. Jesus never promised his followers an easy life that's free from uh, suffering or persecution. He said, in fact, that that might happen more. But the Bible does tell us that our lives should be joy-filled and we can have joy in it even in those times. And um, there's this wonderful uh, passage that talked about how Jesus did that, uh, how he managed to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him, knowing that he was following his father's will. That in that agony he had joy before him because he knew he was following his father's will to to go through that and that he was going to be eventually be at the right hand of God even though he was suffering and in great turmoil right then. And also, in, uh, we're studying the book of Romans in, our, in, in um, 
are other services at the moment. And towards the end of that book, there's this wonderful uh, verse in Romans 14, verse 17 says this, for the kingdom of God is not about, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I want us to look a little bit about a kind of life that we, we lead because there's this, also this other verse, which is the main verse we're looking at tonight, which really, really uh, sort of struck me and got hold of me the first time I uh, realized what it said here. And it's in uh, Galatians, and it's chapter 5, verse 1. And it simply said this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's going to pause there for that first bit. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. People think that the Christian, often people think about the Christian faith, is that it's a faith that's out to restrict people, to stop them doing this or this or that. But the Bible actually says the opposite. The Christian faith is about freedom. Christ came to free us to be able to live lives in the right way. And the verse carries on. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Why is there such a mismatch often between people's, uh, what people think about the Christian faith and what the Bible tells us about it or what we think it should be? I think there's a number of reasons. I think the mismatch is partly uh, part of the, the reason to, to blame is songs of praise. But outside of that, there's also uh, sometimes, sadly, at churches, we talk about irrelevant stuff and we don't tackle topics and things that, that people are wrestling with in their life. But also, I think the biggest reason, if we're really honest, is as Christians, we can get disappointed in our own lives. We can hear news of the great freedom and the joy on offering Jesus, and then we can get a little bit discouraged by things not changing or happening quick enough in our lives that we want to change, or we don't get the things that we want. Sometimes... You know, or often, I certainly want, if things are going wrong, I want God uh, just to come in and wave his magic wand and do the work for us. And then then that doesn't happen. It kind of just dents my confidence a little bit sometimes. You know, God can do miracles. I was, uh, heard a story earlier on this week about somebody who was miraculously healed of something without even asking about it, didn't have to do any work for it. Um, And that's great when that happens. But God doesn't do that all the time, even uh, if we come to him and and pray and and ask for it. But sometimes we just want God to do it. But I think the mismatch comes because sometimes we just want the easy answer and we don't want to put in any work ourselves. We have this bad habit or this bad thing happening to us. We want God to fix it, but we don't want to do anything about it ourselves. We think God should do everything for us. Part of the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers sometimes, be careful how I say this, is because he wants the answer to come through us being part of the answer 
if you understand what I'm saying. Let me explain. I don't do everything for my two lovely daughters that I have. I want them, I love them deeply. And I want them to be protected and to grow up to be the best that they can be. But if I want them to grow up and be the best that they can be, I can't do everything for them because then they'll never learn how to do things or act in the right way for themselves. They're not going to naturally know how to do the right thing of picking up their dirty clothes each night and putting them in the laundry basket if I do it for them every night. I do honestly believe that my daughters have the power to pick up their clothes and do that on their own. Reality at the moment is telling me that it's slightly, it's making me question that a little bit. Um, But I want them to go up and knowing that that is a good thing to do because then they're going to have clean clothes to wear. And I constantly, it seems, every night have to remind them to go and do it. To keep going, picking up the laundry. And it's a tiring thing for me to do, but I'm going to keep going with it because I have this hope and I know that one day I am going to get there. Those of you with older kids, tell me that that hope is not in vain. Anyway, right. (laughs) You get the idea. We may want to give up sometimes, but we must always have hope, always as Christians, I think, keep battling for those good values, for those promises that there there are in the Bible. Don't give up. Don't give up. The worst is always redeemable with God. I talked a, a, a a few weeks ago with God. There is always a next time. You know, there is always still that hope of the laundry going into the bin, even if it's not till actually one day when they're parents and they realise how annoying it is to have dirty clothes left around. So, I think the cure for us as Christians, when we get discouraged or when we're struggling with joy or not knowing what to do, is to try and just keep going with God, keep persevering, get into those good habits, get into listening to hearing God's word, taking time in your life to focus on God in prayer, in in understanding his promises and his truth and how you want to, how you want to, yeah, the truths that you want to be come into your life, uh, the, the untruths perhaps that you want to stop listening to. It happens, I think, by by the habit of coming to God regularly. Through trusting God, we can replace those bad habits with good ones. I do honestly believe if I keep keep going on with my girls with love, they will eventually get there and progress is being made. So what is this freedom on offer that that verse talked about? Freedom from what? Well, let's just really quickly have a look and think about the kind of things that, uh, that Jesus is talking, or this, this passage is talking about, the freedom that Jesus came to give us. I think one of the things is, it is freedom from the past. Freedom for perhaps the mistakes that we've made. Does anyone here like making mistakes? Does anybody here make mistakes? 
I don't like making them, but I make them quite often. The problem is, though, with mistakes is they can uh, impact our present and our future, though, if we let them. I was watching a, a football match uh, yesterday, and a player made a mistake. And then for the next uh, few minutes, I think he gave the ball away three or four times when it came to him. His mistake he made him lose confidence and impacted his present uh, performance. And that can happen with us in our lives too. We can make mistakes, we can lose our confidence, and it can impact the way we go about our lives. Um, the first time I went away to university, I didn't uh, work very hard, and I ended up totally failing my second year at university. My parents weren't very happy, but that's another story. Um, later on in my life, when I went back to university, it was a real, real struggle because I'd failed the first time. It was playing on my mind. I thought I was a failure, that I wasn't going to be clever enough to do it. And in those times, I had to, luckily, I had people around me that believed in me, that loved me, that kept me going, that prayed for me as well. And I kept praying through it as all. And I managed to get through it because I started to listen to the good voices rather than the bad one that was in my head. But if I didn't have that around me, I'm pretty sure I may well have made the same mistake again. Freedom from the past means not forgetting about it necessarily but learning from it and not allowing it to have a negative impact on your current situation. God doesn't define us by our mistakes. Instead, we're defined as people that have right standing with God through Jesus. Wonderful verse from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come the old has gone. What a wonderful verse that is. The old has gone, the new is here. So we can have freedom from the past, from our mistakes. We can also have freedom from past mistakes that others have done to us also. This, this is about remembering to listen to what God says about you rather than what other people say about you either or make you think they say about you through their actions or words to you. It's about coming to a God who we know uh, loves us and values us. We call his special possession in the Bible as well, a chosen people. When we realize how precious and loved we are by God, it can release us from words and actions that others have done to us, that have put us down or made us not think we're, we're worth it. When we realize how much we are loved and valued by God, that he sent his son to die just for you, that is how much he loves us. Words that other people say can have a real uh, impact on you. I remember when I was... Um, I can still remember these words. This is how much they impacted me. Again, 
So this is not therapy for me, but I'm trying to give examples um, of things that sort of, uh, and the easiest ways to give examples for, for, from my life at the moment. So I can remember some words uh, that a teacher wrote in me at school, which I then think actually impacted me a bit at university. And I remember these words really hurting because I didn't think they were true. Um, she wrote this in a report. I'm not going to give the name of the teacher away, but I can still remember her name as well. Richard is a lazy boy who needs to be pushed to do any work at all. That was a comment that a teacher wrote in a report about me. I felt it was really harsh because I barely spoke to this lady uh, the entire year, and um, I don't think she knew me well enough to make that assessment of me. Um, I think it was a wrong assessment anyway, but it impacted me, and also, sadly, uh, other people believed it uh, as well. And it just left me really thinking, is that true? Do I really never work hard enough? Um, And it took me a while to to, to get over it. And actually, when I realized how much God had loved me and cared for me and that he had given me gifts uh, to use, those words suddenly sort of, floated off into insignificance in the past. I don't forget them, and I still get a little bit angry from time to time when I hear about them, but they don't impact me any more because I know God loves me. He cares for me. He's given me good gifts to use, and he gives good gifts to all of us to use as well. What the Bible says about how God values and sees me I believe it's true, and it's true for all of us too. So when Christ, for freedom, Christ has freed us, he's freed us from all those things in the past, the mistakes that we make and the mistakes that others make on us, if that's a good way of putting it. But it's also freedom for the future as well, because if we're not bogged down by the, by the old, we can live for the new. God provides freedom and hope for the future as well. We've talked about this verse a lot from Romans 8, but it's one of the greatest sort of promises or one of the greatest verses that sort of clarifies the greatness of, the, of what God has done for us through Jesus. And it's Paul speaking, and it's from Romans 8.38, and it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No matter what may befall us in our future, God's love will be with us. It's more powerful than anything that can happen. us. Whatever may befall us, we are safe with God. It gives us freedom to live with God no matter what we are going to face in our life. Whether it's a certain future through health, for ourselves or for somebody we care about, whether it's uncertain future about the job that we're in, the studies that we're doing at school or at college or at university or whatever it is. No matter what happens in those things, it's not going to separate God's love for us. It's freedom to live with that joy every single moment in our lives. So how... Do we put that all into practice? Well, we, I think 
then I'm going to say three things to you. It sounds quite simple, and they're really easy things to say, but sometimes they can be harder to do. It's trust God's words. Find a verse or a promise from the Bible that speaks directly into those things that you are struggling with or that gets you down. Find a truth from God that speaks into those places where you feel weak or where you are struggling. In your weakness, God is strong. I shared some, uh, 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 I had some verses that I used to use for particular situations. You have these, I'm going to say there's a few of these on the way out that's got some Bible verses for different, potentially potential different situations or things that you're struggling with. Really, really, I found it really, really helpful just to remember promises and verses from God for different things that I was going through. It's not an exhaustive list up there on that bit of paper, but you can grab one on your way out if that's helpful. God can speak to you in those things you're going in, and he wants to help you find a promise, take it in, trust it, believe it, um, get a plan. I'm going to mention something I mentioned a lot in my first sort of year here. Anybody want to hazard a guess what it is? It's got a number at the start. Yes, well done. 40 days of community. Some of you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But um, in my first uh, year here, we, as a church, we did this project called 40 Days of Community, where we came together for 40 days as a community and uh, looked at what it meant to be a community together, but also a, a Christian community in the world. Now, the reason we did it for 40 days was that in the Bible, the number 40 is about uh, or signifies often the end of uh, one period of, of history or time, either in a nation's life or in a person, and the inaugurating of a new time. It's about stopping something old and starting something new. There's lots, sometimes it's 40 years, but normally it's 40 days in the Bible. You know, can anybody think of Bible stories that have got 40 in? There's quite a few. There's no, pardon? Jesus' temptation, yeah. So right at the start of Jesus' ministry, he was baptized. uh, And uh, then after that, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to prepare, just before he started his public ministry. That's the first thing he did before he preached or did anything. He was tempted and 40 days at the start. And then then he began after that his public ministry here on earth. So the end of one period in his life and the starting of new was marked with a, with a 40. Any other 40s in the Bible? Noah, yeah, what happened? It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. End of one period, beginning of a new. And another 40s, anyone want to pick out? There's loads. This, oh. There's a six years one, yeah. Um, the people were in the wilderness for 40 years. After they were in Egypt, in the wilderness, and then before they were into the promised land. Anyway, uh, the first uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, ruled for 40 years as well. Uh, what else? At the end, after Jesus, um, there was 40 days, wasn't there? When Jesus went up to heaven, from when Pentecost came. End of one season, churches from end of one season into another. 
There's, there's plenty of other 40s. But anyway, you get the point. Anyway, get a plan. Get this promise. And I want you to stick with it for 40 days. Incidentally, some studies have been done that says if you want to uh, establish a new habit in your life, they used to think it was 28 days. Now they think it's closer to to 38. Hmm, that's interesting. That's very close to the biblical number of 40, isn't it? So if you get this promise, get this uh, uh, truth from God that you want to speak into your life and and get a plan to keep going with it, keep remembering it, keep reading it, um, get it into your mind so you know it and, and just keep going with it. 40 days, and and as you're doing that third thing, pray about it. Prayer really, really does work. You know, when we put our faith in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us helping us to pray as well um, uh, with words where we can't find the words. Be open with God about what you're going through. Pray to him about it. Be open to hear him uh, speak to you. Also, pray with other people about it. Praying in twos or threes is just um, with people that you can trust and be open with. It's just really, really, really helpful. So pray with other around it. And I'm sure God will guide and use you. And the change may be gradual and it may take a long time. But I think if, if we do that, if we keep going with God, we can. And we can have hope or optimism, if you want to call it that, in, in all the different situations that we're going in. Joy with all those in those places that we struggle and don't really know what's happening at the moment. We can find comfort in our suffering and joy in it. Because it is for freedom that Christ has freed us. And as we know, there's nothing that can separate us from Christ. So we are ultimately free. So then we are to stand firm. We are to put effort in and not let ourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I'm going to keep going in a loving way with my daughters about the benefits of putting that dirty laundry in that basket. That way it's going to be cleaned and they're going to go around being better looking and smelling humans in the future. It's going to be a benefit for them and for those around them. And I believe for us as well, if we keep going with God, we keep listening to his words, keep that in our minds, it's going to be better for us also. We can go around and be able to live cleaner lives that are going to be a benefit to us and even perhaps more importantly to those around us and bring that glory and honor to God in our lives that we talked about last week, showing God his worth as we live our lives each and every day distinctively for him as his disciples. Amen.